Welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast, your guide to help you manage life, money, and multiples. Each episode, host Paul Fenner, Tama Capital's president and founder, and the proud parent of four amazing children, including one set of triplets, will provide insights on successfully sustaining an active lifestyle, career, and family through comprehensive wealth management strategies, financial education, and lifestyle planning specific to parents raising twins, triplets, and more. Learn more, subscribe to the show, or connect with Paul at TamaCapital.com. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Tama may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Are you struggling, feeling anxious, disconnected, or know that you're operating below your full potential? Do you talk about being stuck or spinning your wheels? These are the same questions that serial entrepreneur Ellen Barton was asking herself. Ellen discusses how she moved cross-country on the belief that something else was possible when she finally let go of how to make it happen and just do it. After seeing initial success in her first business, Ellen decided to launch her second business to help other entrepreneurs who believe in a growth mindset and the power of community. We also discuss Ellen's new book, Ready, Set, Grit. Three Steps to Success in Life, Business, and the Pursuit of Happiness. While Ellen has a drive for business and helping entrepreneurs, it pales compared to her love and passion for her family. Please enjoy my conversation with Ellen Barton. Well, Ellen, welcome to the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. I've I'm, I'm been looking forward to this conversation, so uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. So let's... Typically, my my initial questions are about your background, who you are, what you do. So why don't we kind of start there and give our audience a general overview of who Ellen is and what you do? Yeah, that's a great place to start. Um, so I, my name is Ellen Barton, and I am what I think they call a serial entrepreneur. Right now, I have two businesses. And um, the common denominator I have realized after a lot of soul searching is me. And what I love to do is I love to help other businesses grow and reach higher levels of success. So on um, the one hand, I have a company called White Knight Productions. It's a marketing and video production firm. We work with clients all over the country and help them elevate their message and tell their story so that they can grow their business. On the other side, I have a business called Ready, Set, Grit, which is the same name coincidentally as my book, which is coming out. And I know that we're going to get into that later. But Ready, Set, Grit is all about um, helping entrepreneurs by creating a community for them and support as they grow their businesses. And that's how you met Lisa Malice, who's who's the person that introduced us to each other. So I'm I'm uh, I had Lisa on, I think in the early 30 episodes, if you will. And so we'll, we'll make sure we'll link to, to that episode in our show notes. So how did you, how did you start your businesses? Did you, did you always have this desire to be an entrepreneur or a lot of the conversations or stories that we've had on the show and mine's very similar to this is that I started in corporate America and then gradually found my way into my own firm. Yeah, I would say I started a little bit by accident. 
but it was in my blood to become an entrepreneur. It was probably part of my destiny because I come from a family of business owners, of small business owners. Um, so it was very familiar to me to um, think that I could do this too. But that said, I, I had no um, like actual evidence of that or training or you know anything, anything along those lines. I learned everything I know from the School of Hard Knocks. And, um, and I do have a lot to share and a lot to talk about with business, but a lot of it was, please don't do what I did because that was a bad way to do it. Um, so I started my business, the first business, um, not the first business, but the first business we're talking about today is a video company. And, um, that it's been going for about 14 years. We, I moved to upstate New York from Los Angeles where my husband and I both worked in film and television. And um, that was our background. We moved here for our kids and for a different lifestyle. And we wanted land and horses. And so you don't get that in LA, I don't think. Well, you can, if you have a lot of money, a lot of money, um, <laughs> but it was not attainable to us um, to have the lifestyle that we really wanted in LA uh, we we loved LA. We had a really good friends and a really good thing going there, but we let it all go. My husband left his job, and uh, I brought my job with me. I I was working at the time for another a big company, and uh, we just made this crazy move. It was after the crazy move, and when my job started to um, be outsourced overseas, that we we began to wonder what the heck we were going to do. <laughs> And kind of fell into the business because we knew how to do video production. There wasn't anybody locally. There weren't, I don't, I don't, maybe shouldn't say there wasn't anybody, but there weren't many people doing it on a commercial level. So we just thought, why not? So how do you go about doing, so I know that you work with clients all over the country and maybe even globally. So how do you do, like what kind of video production that you do that's not, simply local that you're working with, you know, these bigger companies um, around the, you know, US and global? Yeah, well, we do. So we do, um, I guess most of the video production we do is somehow related to marketing. Some of it ends up in the training category, but most of it is marketing. Um, and some, yeah, sometimes it's educational or training. We, um, work in a couple of different ways. Most of the time we have a remote video service that we offer. And uh, this is a very cool software that allows us to record remotely anywhere in the world on a very, um, with a very good quality. So um, if you know anything about video, you might have heard of 4k video, which is a high resolution video. We can record that um, in good audio anywhere in the world. It doesn't depend on your internet connection which is a big difference between our software and Zoom. Um, so that's one way that we work with companies. Uh, we've created a lot of content for virtual events during COVID. Um, many people use us to promote themselves with thought leadership. So they want to bring in voices from different um, employees or leaders in their, their organization. And others like to gather testimonials from their own clients. So we do remote video. And then the other thing, uh, the other way we found to successfully work is to um, nurture. I've worked really hard to nurture relationships with videographers in different locations. 
So right now we have a client and uh, we just, I just had to organize a shoot in Iowa and there was another shoot in New York city. And now tomorrow there's a shoot in Baltimore and I just have um, really good videographers around the country and I can call them up and say, Hey, have this job. And then we get the footage and edit that here. So it's interesting. So the, the software that you, that you brought up is, has that been a lo- has that been around for a while? Um, it's pretty new. We started using it in 2019 and I'm, I believe we were an early adapter of the software. So pre COVID um, we were lucky in that way. That was a lucky accident that happened with us, with our business. And um it's it's fair it is fairly new to the best of my knowledge. I don't know the exact time that they came out, but when we started using it, it was a little um new. It was a little little flaky. You know, we we became one of the early adapters. So that was actually my my follow-up question was going to be so how has business what was business like pre-COVID and now since COVID? Have you seen, you know, because of your ability to do these remote videos and video productions, has that made you guys a, a more desirable landing spot for companies knowing that you, you already do this remote? Yeah, it, it helped us a lot. It, it really helps keep us afloat during COVID. And um, in full transparency, we also received PPP. Um, we took an idle loan. So it, it wasn't without that extra support, it would have definitely been tougher but we never shut down. Um, we actually picked up some new, uh, really good clients during that time. But so we kept our momentum going. However, when I look back on my books, since this is a money podcast, <laughs> there were some rough months. And um, I think there was a time when everybody was just figuring it out and, and nobody knew what was happening and nobody wanted to spend money. Uh, and then right after that, there was a panic because like especially those companies that had events planned or something going on, they had to like figure it out. Right, and you know it's the surprising thing about the the podcast over the almost the the first year that we've been we've had the show. Even though I'm a wealth advisor and 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 I deal with financial planning every day, <laughs> there's been very few episodes that focus directly on financial planning. You know the it's been a really interesting involvement, if you will, of the show and the guests that we've had on. And it's really similar to, to yours is that you have a story to share. And I'm always interested in those stories and how you go through a transformation or a mindset shift or how you reframe things. So it's, uh, it's, been, it's been an absolute pleasure to have people like you on to, to you know, have these really great, interesting stories that may, most people may not know about. So from and from that angle, so you have these two businesses, um, one focused on video production and the other more marketing, correct? So, well, the other, uh, sorry to interrupt you. The other one is really about helping support entrepreneurs. Sometimes it is through marketing, but oftentimes it's through um, connections, community, education. That's really separate from white knight. So just to okay. make that clear. No, no. So actually that's that's a good point. So talk to us a little bit more about what that business does and how how you ended up launching that business. Sure. Well, that's that's a passion business for me. <laughs> and um, it's my community. I have an online community. It's called the boardroom. The URL is theboardroom.vip. 
And um, I started that about four years ago when I had gone through a really horrible time in my own business and uh, realized I didn't have the kind of community I craved and needed and wanted. Um, so I decided to build it. Um, it. There's something about being an entrepreneur. And um, let me think how to phrase this. You know, people may have an idea that because you're an entrepreneur, you have a lot of money. It's easy. You've got a lot of connections and a glamorous lifestyle. It isn't Far from sometimes it. <laughs> the case, you know, sometimes, but, um, but sometimes it's not. And sometimes you face really tough decisions or really tough situations and people that don't have that same, you know, people that maybe have a steady paycheck or a, um, some other security or, or um, resources that you may not have access to at that time don't understand what you're going through. You know, they don't understand what it's like to wonder if you're going to make payroll or whatever is happening at that time. So, but if you talk to another entrepreneur, almost every entrepreneur that I know gets it. They you know, get they've it. all been there at one time or another, pretty much. So um, I really wanted to build that and be able to connect with others in an authentic way, in a valuable way. Because the other thing is we're all busy. So it has to be, it has to be worthwhile. So how do you, so what is, what is the value add of the boardroom? Like what is the, what's the, the, I guess, common thread or, or, or two that bring those entrepreneurs into a group like yours? Well, I'll tell you, it's interesting. The people that have been attracted into this group they tend to be um, a certain type of person. They tend to be community-minded. They tend to believe in abundance, like an abundance mindset instead of a lack mindset and giving back. Um, I had set up the group where there was a small membership fee to join, and I just changed that, actually. So it's free, but you have to apply or you have to be referred. There's a few application questions because I want this community... It, because this community is special and I want it to stay special even as it grows. So people that believe in the power of community and the power of helping each other. Um, I, there are a few business people, I guess, that are just out for themselves and don't care about anybody else. And, you know, I, I guess I don't know too many of those people personally. I know they exist. Um, they're not really in my circles that, I'm aware of, you know, I'm not really interested in, in, you know, being with those people. So the other kind of people are the ones that seem to be coming into the boardroom. And, and I, I think I lost the thread of your question, but that's what we're building in there. No, no, that's, that's actually really good. So when, so how is it, how is it structured? Like, how is it organized? Do you guys, is it like you guys meet monthly? Are there specific topics that you talk about? And then do people like network amongst themselves, like outside of, of the, of the organization? Yeah. Well, what it's evolved into, it's been going for about four years and uh, what it's evolved into is a weekly call every Friday. And uh, sometimes we have speakers. Sometimes we have a series happening in that weekly call that's called the inner circle. 
And the inner circle sessions are more um, discussion-based. We, we bring up, uh, we, we, we discuss topics that are important to us as entrepreneurs, but they may not be exactly business related. So this week in our call on Friday, uh, we're going to be talking about vulnerability and authenticity. Not necessarily a typical you know, business topic, but absolutely important and critical for business growth and development. Um, so that's one way they connect. There is an online community, and that's the thing you have to now apply to get into. It's, um, it's set up, it kind of looks like a Facebook or something like that. It's a closed community um, where there's a, you know, threads, you can chat with people directly. And um, there's a few private groups also like within that community. Okay. Uh, we have experts, we have so many different people in there. And, and um, I encourage those experts to drive conversation around topics. Lisa Malice is in there. And um, she posts every Monday about time management and um, being really good at delegation and, and growing your business in that way. There's a woman, Tracy, and it's not just women, it's men and women, but there's another woman, Tracy, um, who's in IT and tech, and she posts about tech every week. And uh, there's just, there's a lot of great people there. It's a, there's a couple hundred people in there. It's not a huge community, but it's a, um, it's a robust and highly engaged community. I know that was one of the things that when I transitioned from my corporate career, and I know I've mentioned this on other episodes, but that was the, the thing that I, I really had a hard time adjusting to is going from an environment where I was surrounded by people, you know, day in and day out and going to a, you know, a, an, an office commute, all that, obviously before COVID to now being in an office where it's just me, you know, I look to my right, there's a wall. I look to my left, there's a wall. And so there's actually a, a network um, called XYPN that I'm a part of. That's a globe, like not global. Actually, they may be global now, but of independent registered investment advisors such as myself. And what's ironic about that is that we all, people, people have this perception that, well, why would you be in a group with other people that do what you do? Like, isn't, don't you guys compete against each other? And yes, there's some, but we all have different niches, if you will. And so I've actually spun off into another couple, like, you know, mastermind groups where uh, with other advisors where they have a much different specialty than I do. And so we meet, you know, fairly regularly, like once a month or, you know, once every two months. And so it's been a really um, great community. I think, and that's the word that you use quite often is that, that community that you're trying to build. Yeah. And that's a mindset, you know, like you said, there are some people that just feel like they're more of a scarcity mindset. You know, they just feel like they have to keep everything for themselves. And if they are to be successful, their um, colleague over there that also has a business doing something similar can't be successful, that there's a limited amount of clients and a limited amount of work. And I think that that's not really a great way to, to think or to do business. Um, I too am in a little mastermind group of female um, business owners, females who own video production companies, because there's not that many of us, or at least that I'm aware of. We have a small group so far, <laughs> but um, even though we technically, I guess, compete, it doesn't feel like that. When we're talking in the group, we share knowledge, we share resources, 
we've, um, one of my, my friends who I've made through this group, she and I started it about maybe about a year ago. I don't exactly remember, but, and we've, we've brought other people in as we come across them because, you know, like I said, there's not that many, but um, we've even given each other, she, she gave me, I was looking for editing help and she's like, Oh, here's, here's Stacy. She's my best editor. Here's her email, you know, see if she's available and, you know, even share like that. And that's really awesome because um, you know, then we all also end up looking out for each other. It's a so, much nicer way to do business. Yes, I agree. So to go back actually to when we were talking about your move from LA to New York, what kind of mind shift or mindset shift was was that with with you and your husband, you know, and and making that decision to come from LA to New York? Are you from the upstate New York area? Yeah, I'm from Buffalo, and I went to college in in Central New York, and so um, like I was aware that there's snow and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> like it wasn't a, a lot of snow, not just some snow, Ellen. There's oh, a lot of snow, so in, Buffalo, snow. in upstate New York. Oh my gosh. Last year we got a storm that dumped 40 inches of snow in one day. It's insane. That's a lot of snow. That is a lot of snow. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we we I guess it, it was an evolution for us of a mindset shift. And it just um, although my husband had a really good job and we had a great house, we had great friends. Um, we realized there was something missing and my dad lives in this area too. My, my mom lives in Buffalo where I'm from and my dad lives down in central New York where we live now. And, um, I didn't really want to go back to Buffalo. I visit often cause I've got family up there, but it, that wasn't calling to me so much. Um, central New York, we were considering, um, every time we would visit down here, the nature is beautiful. We just enjoyed the slower lifestyle. We were also looking at other places in the U.S. Um, that we were like, well, maybe it would be nice to live in New Mexico, or maybe it would. Be nice. <laughs> so we're just kind of like throwing stuff out there, and uh, it it just happened that it worked out timing wise for us to come here. But mindset shift um, definitely had to happen. When, and I guess it, it started to happen when we just began to believe that something else was possible beyond the daily grind, you know, um, it wasn't that we weren't happy in LA because we were, but we wanted more. We wanted land. We wanted horses. We wanted a different experience. And we, um, talked about it a lot. And then we came on vacation to visit my dad and put our house on the market and it sold in like a day and it sold for a lot more than we were asking. <laughs> and we were like, that's oh, LA for okay. you. <laughs> yeah. That's what, uh, that's California, but it's also the universe going, okay, you're doing this thing now. And we just surrender to it and let it happen. And um, we didn't know we, we let go of the how, like how we're going to let it, how we're going to make it all happen. We didn't get too caught up in that. And I don't know if it was just crazy or if it was brave or I'm not really sure, <laughs> but it ended up working out. Well, I, I work with a lot of people that have gone through um, career transitions 
And it's one of the worst things that anybody can go through. And at the time you're, you're thinking the how, like, how am I ever going to get through this rather than, well, this is an opportunity to actually do something better, an opportunity to do something different, an opportunity to do something I've, I've wanted to do. And it's really hard to change that mindset shift. I don't know if you, I'm, I'm sure you're probably familiar with Carol Dweck. Um, she's, she's the guru when it comes to, to the mindset uh, shift game and this whole growth versus fixed mindset. And having gone through that myself personally in my corporate career, I was the same way. But when I look at now six years removed from that situation, you know, I, I just shake my head and, and think <laughs> it's really hard to, to imagine that I'm actually here when, where I was versus you know, six years ago. Yeah, it, it can feel so scary at the time. And it's, so I don't want to diminish that, but within every challenge, the flip side of every challenge is an opportunity. And the more you embrace that and believe that, it becomes easier to find those opportunities. You know, I, they're always there. And so it's just a matter of finding them and then learning how to do something with what you have available. Um, so maybe, I, I don't know the circumstances of you leaving your, your corporate career, but like for whatever reason, like suddenly you don't have that. And so what do you have? What can you work with? Um, you know, I find that, so in the more you're able to remove yourself emotionally from that, and make it into a game, make it into something fun. It's hard to do <laughs> sometimes, but, um, but it's interesting. You know, life is such an interesting journey. Yes. So actually that leads into probably the, the big point that we want to talk about is, so you started White Knight Productions, you've started the boardroom, and for some reason you decided now's the time to write a book. <laughs> yeah, I've always wanted to write a book. Always so, wanted to write a book. So your book is called um, "Ready, called Set, Ready Grit, Set Grit: this Three is Steps my one to Success, Life, and Business in the Pursuit of Happiness." Yeah. So, how did you come up with the, I guess, principle of of the book? Like, what what made you decide on? I want to talk about grit. Well, I think it was when I figured out that I had grit. And I, like I said, at the beginning, I learned everything the hard way, you know, I just, I had to have all the lessons drummed into me. And, um, with my business, when we started white night, it, it it took off, we were doing great. We were doing absolutely amazing. And we hired people, we gave them benefits. We did all the things and uh, had a lot of fun. And then things started to um, get a little less fun when we lost a big client and things kind of like snowballed in the wrong direction. And that led to some deep, dark days of despair and like being really scared and not knowing what was going to happen. And um, it was that process of like really falling to the bottom and coming out of that, that um, the whole time I kept thinking, well, this has to be for some reason, I have to do something with this. And all the, all the lessons I learned and all the reading I did and all the um, seeking of knowledge during that time, because I, I was just grasping at anything I could find to get the answers to come out. 
um, I, I, I just started feeling like I wanted to put all that together and try to help other people because you don't have to do it my way, but my way isn't like the best way, but you can learn from that. And, uh, and there are a lot of things about what we went through in that crazy way that allowed us to transform our business, to transform our lives. Um, so what I learned is you, every one of us has the ability to do that when you get um, intentional about it, you get systematic about it, and you just take the steps to move even in some small ways towards what you want, even without knowing how you're going to get there. I think that's one of the key key things is that you said is small steps. I think a lot of people have, you know, they get paralyzed by the fear of, you know, something big and not realizing that what's the first actionable step, small step that I can take that helps get me there. And it's, you know, we've all heard the phrase, you, you bite the elephant one bite at a time. And I see that I've seen that over and over, over the course of, you know, 10 plus years of, of having Tama. And it's, it's that first step obviously is always the hardest, but then once you take it, then they, they do get easier and, and, and easier. So in your book, um, you mentioned these three steps. Can you walk us through what those steps are? Sure. Yeah. The book is divided into three parts and that's where the title comes from. Ready is part one, set is part two, and grit is part three. And so ready is all about mindset shift. It's about um, getting in touch with your intuition, learning to listen to that intuition and learning to change the way you think so that you're not getting in your own way and you're not limiting yourself to what you used to believe you were capable of, or you used to believe you were deserving of. It's uh, really letting go of all of those, um, the, those shackles, you know, and, and allowing yourself to believe because that's the first step of creating a new reality is you have to believe it's possible. You know, you, everything we do, we first believe we can do it. You know, you believe you can get up and brush your teeth in the morning. If you didn't believe you could do it, you wouldn't be able to do it, you know? So um, it's, that's really important if you're looking to make any kind of change. Um, the middle part is called set. And um, that is about, there's a chapter in there about time. Um, it, it's, it's all about the foundation. So there's, there's time, there's tribe, there's all the things you lay down to build your dream and to build your new reality on, because you have to um, develop some basic skills. You have to develop some basic um, support so that you can move forward and um, allow your dream to flourish. And then the third part of the book is grit. And it's, it's all about getting, you know, doing the work and, and having that sheer determination to show up again and again and again, even um, if you're just making the tiniest little step towards your goal, eventually they, those little steps do make a difference. All those seeds you're sowing do make a difference. It, can be hard to see it. It can be hard to believe it, but it's true. You know, it, it really is. You just have to keep going. So I know I only have you for a finite period of time. So I want to, I'll, I'll get to my, my closing question, which I ask all of my guests is what is the best thing about being a parent? 
Ah, that is such a great question. I, I am a parent. Um, I have two children. They're uh, now young adults, two girls. And um, it's, gosh, it, it's, it's the best thing that I, it's my, my, my greatest accomplishment in my life is my kids. The best thing about being a parent, I think, is watching them grow up. Every stage is fascinating to me, even the hard ones. And um, getting through to now my kids are 21. My daughter just turned 21 and my older daughter is 23. And uh, they're just amazing. They're, they're both doing really cool things. And we have a very solid relationship which I'm so grateful for. I think that is my greatest accomplishment, but um, just watching them spread their wings and fly and, and getting to experience that is the coolest thing. I've had a lot of great conversations over the year uh, with this, with, with the show. And my favorite part is asking that question and the responses that are so different and variant and in depth. And, you know, yeah, I can, I can feel your, your, your passion for, for your two girls, which is, which is just incredible. So, um, Ellen, we'll be sure to, to link, uh, to the, in the show notes to your, to your new book that's coming. And when does that come out? Um, September 20th. Okay. All right. We'll so. be sure to, to link to, uh, to that and, uh, your website as well, but I can't thank you enough for being on the emotional balance sheet podcast. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Please visit TamaCapital.com to subscribe to this podcast or to connect with certified financial planner and registered investment advisor, Paul Fenner of Tama Capital. And please join us again next time on the Emotional Balance Sheet Podcast. Mm-hmm.